Good morning. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Nun Ches in Maseches Ksubos. And the, uh, we are five lines up from the bottom of Nanzayan Amabes, where we say it like this. The idea, remember we were talking about the Bas Yisrael that marries a Kohen. When can she start eating truma? That's an interesting question. Um, so you would say, wait a minute, when she starts to live, like when she starts to live in his house, you would say. One would think that this whole idea of waiting 12 months, which was in the missionary Shona of our Mishnah, and then after that, Ocheles Mishalova, Ocheles Betruma, is a little bit premature, because after all, she's a Bas Yisrael. When does the Yisrael get to eat Truma all of a sudden? Just because she waited 12 months? Elamai, we'll see, the Pasuk says, Kinyan Kaspo, the Pasuk actually says that anything that's technically uh, nickname, right, acquired by a Kohen can also eat truma. So it's a technicality, right, because we say Aisha nicknames in the beginning of Masechus Kiddushin, right, that this Kiddushin is a Kenyan. So technically, once you do Kiddushin, she is the, right, the husband's Kenyan, and as one of the members of the Kenyan Kaspo of this Kohen, she can eat truma, that, so it's a, therefore a Xeros Okay. So, however, there's a Xera Darabonon. But the issue is, so therefore, again, the first Chiddush is that she doesn't have to be, so to speak, a Kohen, a Kohenes, in order to eat Truma, because she's the Kenyan of a Kohen. That's the first Chiddush. Now that you have that novel uh, set up, the question is, why then shouldn't she be able to eat the, the Truma right away, once she is the Kenyan of the Kohen? And the answer is, because of concern either symphon or uh, because of concern that she'll be eating amongst her brothers, which is to say she did not grow up as a Kohenes, right? All her bro- family, they're all Israelis, so to speak, regular, non-Kohanim, non-Leviim. So, okay, so if she has access to all this truma, we are concerned that maybe she will feed it to her family. That's one possibility. The other possibility is Mishum symphon. What's symphon? Symphon is what if she retracts, right? Prior, what if she retracts and we find something wrong? Symphon Rashi is going to discuss. You find some sort of defect. Good morning. You find, find some sort of defect in her and therefore you retract the Kiddushin or you retract the whole marriage idea. If you do that and then she gets used to, right, eating the, the truma, once you retroactive it and you don't actually follow through with the Kiddushin, so then what will have happened is that she's eating truma, right, in an unauthorized fashion. So we're going to see all of this now inside. The nafkaminas they're in, and that's how we begin. So we're five lines up from the bottom of Nazayin of Bez, Behuda, Amar, Mishum, Simphon. That the reason why, right, we don't allow the Kala to eat truma until the Chasana is because we might cancel this wedding and retroactively invalidate the Kiddushin, right? So this is where Rashi explains the Shem Simfon. says, we'll read it inside. V'loshon Simfon hu bitl, kagon shover mevatel shtar kari Simfon, umum be'isha o be'behema shmevatel ha'meka kari Simfon. In other words, if there's a defect in, in the Isha or in any kind of acquisition, that there ends up being a retroactive, right? What's going to happen is, hacha gozer ba'shema yimtza ba'mum, and here the Gezeira is based on maybe you'll find a defect in her. That's the problem. You've done Kiddushin. 
So you say, okay, well, if you've done Kiddushin, she's already kidding in Kaspa. Why are you worried about her eating Truma? Well, the answer is because you're going to undo the Kiddushin retroactively. You're going to say it's a Kiddushin Tos. Oh, and then Uva Telim. Then you retroactively cancel the Kiddushin. And then it retroactively becomes that you're, that turns out that she was a non-Kohenes, right, eating Truma. That is what Symphon means. Defect. Retroactive, right? Um, retroactively being mevatel the kiddushin, and that's the problem. So says the Gemara. So if it's true that our concern is simphon, so then even if she's been under the chupa, as long as she did not have any suin, so then it's a problem. So that's interesting, right? The kiddushin can be undone. You could say that's a kiddushin tos. Apparently, once she's nivela and there's nisuin, well, you can't take that toothpaste and put it back into the tube. And that would not be able to be undone retroactively, but, but the Kiddushin can be. But the Chuppah should not uh, help in this issue of Symphon. Even after the Chuppah, you should have, have to be concerned for Symphon. So the Gemara answers, Hasa Mivdak Badik Ma'ayel. The case where we're discussing, uh, the case where we're saying that after the Chuppah, she can, uh, in fact, eat Truma and we're no longer, right? Because our whole point was that can she start eating after the 12 months? And the assumption was that any time that she actually enters into the chuppah, at that point, she certainly could eat truma. So we're saying, well, why? She wasn't nivella, nivella yet, and therefore maybe she would still retro- find a pagam. And that's very likely, right? Because when is he going to find, when is the most likely time that he's going to find the pagam? Like after the chuppah, right? When he's going to find a defect. So the answer is no. The first he examines her in that case, and then he's ma'ayel. Then he brings her to the chuppah, which is to say, the case where we're talking about, where we know that after chuppah she can eat truma, is a case where she's already been pre-checked, Andrew. She's been, uh, and they checked for defects. So the Gemara says, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. So, okay, this Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda is concerned about Symphon. If that's the, if that's the reason, right, why you're concerned, is, and again, this is, this is the machlokas. We have Ula on one hand saying that the reason why we, she can't eat truma yeah, uh, is because uh, the gzera there are banan, despite the fact that she's kidding Kaspo. Ula said that it's because she's going to feed it to her family members, right? And then, right, Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda says it's because of Simphon. So now we're saying, according to Shmuel Bar Yehuda, an Eved should be problematic. Let's say an, a Kohen, right, uh, who's uh, who's a slave, who has a slave, and the slave was bought from Israel. So if that's the case, you should not be able to eat Shrum and Bishum Symphon because it's possible that you'll find some defect in the Eved and then retroactively invalidate the sale, right? And it will turn out that the Eved is still, right? Once you re- retroactively invalidate the sale, that Eved is still considered the Kenyan Kaspa of Israel, and he should not be allowed to eat Shrum. As we've already said, an Eved of Israel cannot eat Shrum. An Eved of a coin can't eat truma. So why do we not have the issue of Symphone in a business transaction? We've just outlined in Rashi that Symphone can apply either to a Kiddushin or any kind of business transaction where you find some sort of defect and retroactively cancel the transaction. So if that can happen with a Kala, so you're saying, okay, with a Kala, we checked. So, but how about with an Eved? So says the Gemara, Symphone by Avadim Leika. Fascinating. This is the last Rashi in Zainam Abayz. What the Gemara means is that when it comes to an Eved, 
there is no defect that we that would be mevatel that transaction. How so? As follows, it's I, and there is no scenario where you would mevatel a transaction of an eved with a mum. How? Why not? Because of the following: the ida abroi. Because if he's right, if he's actually healthy, hakachazile. Uh, I'm sorry. The uh, ida abroi means on the outside. Tocho kaboro. I know we say like the the inside is like the outside. So over here it's like that. The abroi. If you see the defect outwardly, I'll say it outside first. When when you buy a car, uh, a car, and it turns out like it's gives it's been giving you trouble all through the. All through the years, every once in a while, you got to change the carburetor, and then you got to change the engine, and then and then everything's kind of falling apart. What we call a lemon. Nobody says in that scenario that you're allowed to that you're allowed to retroactively, right, undo that sale. So similarly with an eved, right, even though there's obvious differences, ida abroi. If you have external signs, right, of a defect, hakachazilei, then the purchaser will see that at the time, and therefore he's buying. Beware, right? He's buying with no knowledge of it. But if he has some sort of unexposed physical defect, well, if, it, if you don't see it, you don't care about it. Why don't you care about it? Because you only got him to do a certain task, right? You bought your Evid, let's say, I don't know, to do your, your, your paperwork for you, you know, to, fi- to do all the filing. So what do you care what physical defect he has? You got him to do the work, and he's doing the work. Right? And he says the Gemara, you don't really care if he has some underlying physical defect because at the end of the day, he's doing the work. Right? This is something that you may not, that, that may not be the case with the collar. With the collar, you're going to want to check for non-visible defect because the husband sees those defects and he wants to, uh, and, he, and he wants to be uh, sure that she doesn't have them. With an Evid, it's really much more utilitarian, right? It's much more, he cares about pragmatic. He cares about whether the Evid could still do the work. Okay. Now, that's if he has physical defect. What if Nimsa Ganov, oh, Kuviustus, what if he finds out that he's a Ganov, right? So, it, will the sale be valid? So, the answer is, he Gio. The answer is, yes, the sale would still be valid. In other words, fascinating question. What if a person buys an Eved, so, and, and so, and it turns out, buyer's remorse. Why buyer's remorse, Barry? Because let's say he has a physical defect. So we say, no, that, there's no buyer's remorse for an Eved with a physical defect. You're buying him for a certain purpose. If the physical defect is external, you see it. If it's internal, you don't care, fine. What if you have buyer's remorse because the guy is a, some sort of a degenerate, right? He's a Ghanav, so he's gonna steal. He's gonna cause havoc in your, in your uh, estate. Uh, Kuviustus is actually a machlokas, what this is. Rashi just says straight up, the first Rashi in Chesmet Aleph, just says he's a, he's a kidnapper, a gon of nefashos. Tosav says that does not sound right for a variety of reasons, right? Lo mash mahachi, that it's a gon of nefashos, because, and he gives, he gives um, various contexts where Kuviustus uh, could not mean really gon of nefashos, couldn't mean kidnapper, and he says, Kuviustus, says Tosvos, is a mesachik bekuvia, a gambler. That makes more sense. Tosvos actually brings really good reasons why Kuviustus, uh, in other contexts, does not sound like it has, could possibly have anything to do with kidnapping. It has, sounds like it more has to do with financial unreliability, okay? And it also sounds like mesachik bekuvia, a Kuviustis. 
a masachik bekuvia, a person who is hanging out at night in uh, in all kinds of casinos and is a gambler. Okay. So anyway, uh, art school went with Rashi, but Tosas makes a good case that it's a gambler. So so be that as it may, uh, Ganav and a gambler is also consistent. Right? It's weird for you to have a kidnapper uh, on the premises, and who is he kidnapping exactly? Okay, so, so let's call it somebody who can't be trusted around your estate with money, right? He has a gambling problem, and he's going to steal from you, or he's a ganav. So if that's the case, so then he's caught wreaking havoc. Aren't you going to have remorse? So says the Gemara, Higio. What does Higio mean? It means it's like the cost of doing business. Let's see Rashi inside. Higio For that, if you have somebody wreaking havoc in your estate because he's a ganav or kubiustis, then it's a brisa in Baba Basra. That we know that Nimsa Gan of he gyu, right, he gyo, he actually has to, so to speak, eat it, he has to endure it, and he can't return it, the Evid, for that reason. Why? Shastaman Ganavin Hain, says Rashi, that this is par for the course. Who, who, who do you think you were getting as an Evid? Mother Teresa? There's a reason why he's an Evid, right? He's not, he's not uh, in it because that's what, you know, his mother wanted him to be a doctor or a lawyer, right? He's an Eved for a reason. Obviously, he's, got, he's not like the upper crust of society. So that's the cost of doing business. You can't return an Eved and say, you know, this guy is not an upstanding, um, I, I don't like my Eved's moral compass. You know what I mean? That, that, there's a reason why he's an Eved, and therefore, um, that is cost of doing business, and the halacha is you cannot return an Eved for that reason. Okay, so if you can't return him for physical defect, and you can't return him for a, right, uh, character flaw. So in my Ika, what would be a scenario where you can return a slave? The answer is, list in Lamalchas. Okay, yeah. If he's actual violent armed robber or somebody is on death row, Muchtav Lamalchas, an inmate on death row. So then, okay, so now this guy is like actually slaughtering people in your estate. That is really a defect. That's... Uh, out of the scope of the cost of doing business, out of the ordinary, and that robber should that um, that dude should be able to be returned as a, stay, as a slave. However, says the Gemara, Hanhu kala islahu. Yeah, if the guy's on death row, all you have to do is check out the Carfax on the Eved, and that should come up, right? He's a registered uh, death row inmate. That would come up on uh, when you check on the a little bit of the of the history of the Eved, and therefore that would not. Uh, also be a reason because that would be something that should show up, which is to say, even if it turns out that he is uh, a blood-cold murderer, stone-cold murderer, that's also on you as the purchaser because you should have checked into him a little bit more. That's very extreme for you to not to realize. So therefore, what it amounts to is there is no scenario where an Eved actually has, where you have backsies, where you return an Eved and you have the, right, retroactive canceling of the sale, and because that does not exist, for that reason, we have no concern of Symphon when it comes to an Evid. And that is why, right, we could say that even within the Shita, right, or Shmuel Bar Yehuda, who says that the, the problem of is Symphon, there is a difference between the Kala and the Evid, and therefore the concern would have been only by the Kala of Symphon. And the only reason we don't have the concern of Symphon by the Chuppah is because we checked into her very, very well. Okay. So now, again, we have the Sheet of Ula and the Sheet of Shmuel by Yehuda. Ula says because she'll feed it to her family. Or Shmuel by Yehuda says because of Symphon. Says the Gemara, Mechdi. 
Vein lamar, vein lamar. Whether you hold like Ula or like Shemuel Yehuda, lo achla my beinaihu. Either way, she doesn't have the right to eat truma until she goes to the chuppah. But what is the nafkamina, so to speak? What would be the difference between those two? What would be a scenario where you see a difference? So ikah beinaihu, kibel, masar, behalach. Three different scenarios. What are three different scenarios? Rashi goes and explains what they are. Kibel, we can see the Rashi inside a little bit. Kibel means Kibel Baal es Amumin le Simphon, right? Kibel means that a scenario where the Baal, the Kohen, accepted her, even if with all her physical defect. You know, when they did their, so to speak, marital vows, he said, in sickness, in health, in defect, no matter what, I declare no backsies, okay? So then you're no longer concerned for Simphon. Are you concerned that she's going to feed it to her family? You could, yes. That's the case of Kibel where there would be only a concern according to, right, Ula. Masar v'halach, those are concerns that would be only according to right, Shemuel bar Yehuda. What is Masar v'halach? Where, where, where the bride is either delivered, Masar, delivered through Shluchim, or where the father's Shluchim, Halchu, right, went with the husband's, right, Shluchim to deliver the bride. Well, in those cases, she is, you got a mail-order bride from the Ukraine, and she's never seeing her family again. So in that scenario, right, she's not going to, we're not going to be concerned about her feeding her family because she ain't got any family to feed. She's now, she's living with you now. So Ula's concern um, is, not, is no longer going to be uh, a concern, right, because she's not going to feed her family. However, Shmuel by Yehuda, the concern of Simphon, well, that still is a concern because in that case, right, those mail-order brides, you don't really ever know what you're getting, Andrew. And therefore, he may want to annul it. This is not what I signed up for. And therefore, right, because uh, in fact, there's a higher uh, chance that that might happen because he's not seen her. She's being brought in with Shulchim. And therefore, Kibel is a case where, right, um, Kibel is a case where you're not concerned about Simphon. And then Masar Halach is a case where you're only concerned about Simphon, right? And not concerned about giving it, and therefore, uh, about giving it to her family. And therefore, those are the cases we have in Machlokas. Between Shmuel, Bar Yehuda, and Ula. Very good. So now we're in two dots, four lines down. And we're going to talk about the machlokas that Rabbi Tarfon and Rabbi Kiva had in our Mishnah about how much a portion of Truma a coin can give his bride. Okay. So now we've gotten past the point of the coin not being able to give the Truma. Now the coin can give her the Truma. Beautiful. Ochels Ochels Said our Mishnah that Rabbi Tarfon said, that everything could be truma. That's really not nice to do, David, because after all, she, even if she was a Kohenis, is going to be a Nida for a portion of her life, for a portion of her monthly cycle. And during those days of Nida, no matter how many times she dunks in the mikvah, she's not tahar enough to eat truma. And therefore, she, even a Kohenis, has a portion of the month where she can only eat chulin. So that's really not nice to only feed her truma. What is she supposed to do with this truma? So you could say, okay, go sell it. Well, that's not nice to make her go sell it. So we'll see. Therefore, Rabbi Akiva said, no, no, no. Give half of her mezonos in the chulin form so that at least she can have, for those parts of the month, she can have the chulin. And the other half you can give uh, truma. Why would you want to give her all truma? The answer is because it's a lot cheaper, right? Laws of supply and demand dictate that there is a 
less of a demand for truma. And since there's less of a demand for truma, it is cheaper. And that's why you'd want to give her all truma. So let's look inside here. Now the Gemara says, Amar Abayi, that this whole machlokas is really only with a bas kohen. She was always a koheness. That's only there we have the machlokas. That if you have a bas Yisrael that marries a kohen, everybody would agree that Chazal say, give her like Rabbi Kiva says, half Chulin and half, and half truma. Why so? Because Rashi explains that a bas coin is bikia betruma. Yeah. In other words, this whole idea of the inconvenience that Rabbi Tarfon is imposing on her to go exchange her truma for chulin, that is only makes sense for a bas coin. Why? Because the bas coin grew up in a, in a family where she saw her mother exchanging the truma. She knows where, she knows Ami's pizza. She knows where the guy, it looks like a pizza shop, but really he's, he's a money changer, right? It's a, it's a front. So she knows the place in Geula to go change the truma. It's like part of the family culture. And therefore she knows how to handle her truma and exchange it for chulin, right? But Abbas Yisrael didn't grow up that way. She never had, she never was allowed to eat truma in the first place. So therefore everybody would agree that we're not going to put her through the trouble of having to learn the ropes as a kala of how to exchange truma. So that's Abaya's point, that we're only going to expect her to eat chulin. But Amar Abaya, Machlokas, another uh, dispute, the other scenario, right, where you're not going to have them, the, when you're not going to have a machlokas is once she's nisuin, because that's for sure true. Once she's nisuin, she's now the Baal's responsibility. It's his responsibility to make sure that she can eat at all times where she has nisuin. And therefore, he's not going to be able to ask her to eat, right, to take this truma and, and exchange it for chulin. So again, the machlokas would be when she's still only had kiddushin and she's a bas kohen, that's the only scenario where you have the machlokas or be Yekivan or be tarfon. Okay. Now, Tanya Nami we also have a brisa as follows. Basically, the brisa now is going to be a source for the two things that Abayah just said and it's going to be basically exactly what Abayah says but in prose form, in a, in a right, long form brisa as follows. Rabbi Tarfon Omer, Nosun La'akol Truma. Rabbi Kiva Omer, Mechzachul Truma. Just like we said in our Mishnah, right? That Rabbi Tarfon says, you give her, um, you can give her everything Truma. Rabbi Kiva says half of it has to be Chulun, but Medvarim Amorim. When in those cases, Bavas Kohen Lakohen, as we, as Abayi just said, it's only in a case where Bavas Kohen, if Abbas Yisrael Lakohen, as we just explained within Abaya, that if you have a Basi Stroll who marries a coin, then certainly we'll all agree with her Bikiv that half of it has to be Chulun because she doesn't know how to exchange it. And furthermore, that it's only in case of Nisuin, of Erisin, rather, but once she's in Nisua, so then even there, Rabbi Tarfon would agree with Rabbi Kiva that you give her half of it Chulun. So now we have, so those are the two opinions, Rabbi Tarfon and Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva says you give half chulin, Rabbi Tarfan says you give all truma. Now we have a third opinion. Rabbi Huda Omer, shte Two thirds truma you could give, give her one third chulin. What would be the reason? Achoronim discuss, but you can understand the menstrual cycle, for example, will probably have most women in, as in, in the need to state one third of the month, not a full half. So maybe it's for that reason. Okay. So that is the Rabbi Huda Um The next Shita, the fourth opinion, is Rabbi Yehuda Oimer, Nosen Lahakol Truma, Vihimocheres Velokachas Bedamim Chulin. That's interesting. So Rashi explains here that basically you give her all the food, everything can be Truma, but 
she and you make her sell sell and buy all of it with the money. Okay, which is to say that you build it you build in Idame Truma says Rashi Megin Likakbachulin Share Yakarin Mina Truma. So Rashi's pointing out that it is the Torah, right, that you expect her to do. Like the effort of exchanging the Truma for Chulin, you expect her to do. But you're not going to make her eat the difference in value, right? As Rashi explains, as we've already said, Truma is cheaper than Chulin. So let's say her eating stipend is $100 a month. So, you get, so $100 of Truma is a lot more than $100 of Chulin, right, in terms of volume. So you give her the family size pack of Truma, like $100 worth of Truma. So what Rabbi Yehuda is saying is we don't really look at whether it's Truma or Chulin, we only look at the monetary value, and that's what you have to give her. Well, it doesn't take into account that she has to actually go through the trouble of exchanging it. That we don't take into account. But what we do take into account is the value, okay? That's Shittas Rabbi Yehuda. And the fifth and final opinion is Rishim ben Gamliel Omer, call Malcolm Shuskura Truma, no sin lucky fly in Bechulin. Wherever it says that she's given Truma, she's going to give double what she would receive. Okay, keep flying. So, okay, so, so he's saying, what Rashi says, In other words, Roshim Gamliel's Shita is a spin-off in a way of Rabbi Yehuda, which is to say we want to give her the monetary value, but he, it's more. We're giving her even more than the monetary value if we're giving her Truma, because why? We want to incentivize Right, people to come and exchange it for her. So we're taking into account also the tircha that she's going to have, and we're building that into the price as well. So these are the five shitas in terms of how whether you could give her truma or chulin and how you play it. So my now what will be the difference between all of them? Ikebenau tircha. Right. So the difference here that we're asking between Rishim and Gamliel and Rabbi Yehuda—that's the question. In other words, it sounds like both Rabbi Yehuda and Rishim and Gamliel are sensitive to the relative value of the truma. So therefore, what would be the difference? So I over-explained it, and in so doing, you didn't even realize that they were similar. Well, they are similar because you, you change the value of how much chulin you give, uh, how much truma you give her relative to how much chulin you give her. So what's the difference between them? So what we, the difference is what we said it was, which is Rashim Gamliel says, not only do you give her the value of the truma and therefore give her more truma than chulin, but you give her even more. If you're giving her truma, you also give her even more in order to compensate not only for the value, but for the extra effort of exchanging the truma for chulin. Very good. Okay, so now we're two dots, nine lines up from the bottom. We said in the Mishnah that once a crazy scenario, a tragic scenario, the brother is in the 12 months and original chasan dies. And now his brother takes over. So what we said is, even if that original chasan, it takes like a year, an additional two years even, to work out, right, the uh, details before Yubim takes place for whatever reason. Maybe he's out of town, right? It's in, he's, he, he had moved to Hawaii and it's in the 1700s. So he somehow got the message through a carrier pigeon, but it's going to take years before he gets to do the Yibum. You're not going to be mevatel the Yibum for this reason. You're going to wait. You know, if he's doing it, he's doing it. Fine. In the meantime, though, 12 months into it, can she be ochelis mishalov ochelis betruma? No. No. Not until he does Yibum. Why? Ah, says the Gemara. My time, kinyan kaspo amarachmana. Vai, kinyan achivhu. Fascinating concept, right? That a Yavam is not a kinyan, right? When a person's mekadosh anisha, he's, he's kona her. 
the acquisition of Yibum, and we've learned Yavamas, so we have some experience with this. The acquisition of Yibum is not a Kenyan at all, right? He is substituting for his brother. Well, you say, wait a minute, the brother is a co- his brother was a Kohen, and his brother made a Kenyan, so it isn't just like a transfer of ownership, so to speak? Maybe so, but we don't treat it that way. It has to be the Kenyan of the person who bought it in order to feed Truma. It's a Kiddush. You may have been able to finesse it otherwise, but this is the Kiddush that we're learning. Okay. Then the Mishnah said, next two dots, uh, So then the, Gemara, the Mishnah basically had said that if said first Baal, Chas V'Shalom, passes away with anywhere along the spectrum of 12 months, then, it, and the Yavam takes over, the Halacha remains the same. It doesn't matter if they had been engaged, so to speak, for the, with the original Chasan for a day or a year, or, or, or it doesn't matter. As long as he died somewhere within the 12 months, then when the Yavam takes over, he can no longer feed her uh, Betruma until they get married. But the Gemara asks, If they lo, if In other words, is it necessary to teach the Halacha? In other words, once you learn the Halacha that they were engaged for like 11 and a half months and the Yavam takes over, she still has to wait until, until the Yibam is consummated. So isn't it all the more so true that if the Baal died right away and they didn't wait at all, that she would have to wait till the Yibam takes place? So why do we have to go through all of the permutations? Says the Gemara, Zu ve'ein tzarech lomar zu katani. Yeah, that's the style of the mission in this particular case. Now, for whatever reason, it's spelling out all of the scenarios, even though it didn't have to. In other words, you could have inferred that if we're going to make her wait for Yibum in a case where she's already waited 11 and a half months, certainly we'll make her wait for Yibum if the guy dropped dead within the first week and she just now met the Yabum and she hasn't even waited that long. That's true. You could have inferred that. But the Mishnah spelled it out anyway. All right. So now, Zoom Missionary Shona, right? Five lines up from the bottom. What's going on here? Well, the idea that this whole idea of after 12 months, that was only the original idea. But afterwards, we said that, Mishnah explains, that everybody agrees that only once they have the chuppah, they can, get the, they can eat the truma. So the Gemara asks, my taima, what was the reason that we reversed our idea of achels mishalov achels truma? Uh, that was the psak of the Mishnah Rishon. It says, Amar ula Amazing. <laughs> Remember we had a machlokas just today uh, on this Amud between Ula and Rishmol by Yehuda where, where Ula said that the reason why a woman can't eat Shuma until Chuppah is because she's going to share it with her brothers and Rishmol by Yehuda said Mishum Simphon? Yes. So now we're saying that the reason is why we changed it to the, uh, to, to never feeding her after 12 months and no longer in that, in, in discussing the reason why we had changed that psak for the Mishnah Rishona to the Mishnah Chorona, there, even Ula is going to agree that that was Mishim Simphon. So now the Gemara says, So this only makes sense according to Ula, meaning, according to Ula, with the original reason why we were waiting for the 12 months was because you're going to feed your family. Okay, and that only makes sense for the first 12 months because after 12 months, he gives her her own apartment and she's no longer going to be near her family. So according to Ula, it makes sense that that was the whole original structure of the Mishnah. And then, you know what? They came around to the idea of Symphone and they said, you know, Symphone is when you retroactively, as we said, um, are going to be in Vata Kedushin. And we said, you know what? That is too big of a risk, and therefore, 
just wait until after the, the Bia, after the Chuppah. So that makes sense. Ironically, the idea of Simfon only makes sense according to Ula, who doesn't hold of Simfon initially, because it means he had a change of heart. He initially thought that it had to do with the family eating, and now the reason why we don't let her eat the truma is because of Simfon, and that's why we canceled the, the Mishnah Rishona. Right, so reading it inside, right. Originally, he thought that that was the concern. That's why we don't let her eat the truma because she's going to share with her family. And later, we said, you know what? Even past twelve months, we're concerned because of simphone. But as we turn to Nunchesam and base, we say, But according to Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda, where the concern was always simphone, anyways, so then what's the difference? What made the change of heart between the Mishnah Rishon and Mishnah Achrona. In both cases, the concern is Simphon. So then the initial concern was Simphon, and then the subsequent concern was Simphon. And so if it's the same concern, why are you changing your Psak? Oh, says the Gemara, my Benai, what would be the difference? Ika Benai, Ubedikas Chutz. Yes, something happened culturally where initially they used to say Bedikas Chutz, or they used to have a, a, a external superficial examination of the kala. And we, and we would say, you know what, that's good enough. Let's assume that, that she's okay. So Mar Savar, the first Mishnah, our initial right uh, assumption was that yeah, you could just do a superficial examination. It was simpler times, Barry, where you would look at the kala and if she seems normal, she's probably okay. Yeah, but times have changed. Umar Savar, here it's not really Mar Savar. It's Mar Savar, Mar Savar is really the first Mishnah Rishonah and the Mishnah Chorona. And then the later Bezdin, the Mar Savar, believed, Bedikas Chutz, Loshma Bedika. Yeah, they learned a lesson the hard way, Barry, that you can sometimes have a Kala that looks like she's normal, but unless you do a slightly more thorough evaluation, you better do that beforehand. The, you better do the digging beforehand because it's likely, you know, in this day and age, that you're going to marry a Kala that seems normal on the outside. Turns out she's totally not normal and you find out too late, and therefore they said, no, 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 no. We're not going to count our chickens, before, right? We're not going to uh, assume that she's normal. We're going to wait for the chuppah, and therefore let's not feed her any truma until the, after the chuppah. And that is something that they realized over time, and it is for that reason that they changed the psaq, so, which is to say, right, the concern within Rishmuel Bayuda was always simphon. However, the uh, likelihood of simphon became a little bit more likely over time as we realized that sometimes the defect is a little bit better hidden, right, than it, than it used to be. And therefore, the concern of Symphone, whereas in simpler times it wasn't extended past 12 months, we realized, no, 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 no. we got to wait until the wedding night because otherwise we never know what you're going to get. So now we're in the Mishnah, towards the top of the Chesam Beis, and we say, Amakdash Maisa Ishito, Harei Zu Osovel Chelas. This idea of, we already talked about, that... We know that a woman, her earnings go to the husband once they're married, and we know that he has to support her. That the husband has the, this is the old time, not like today uh, in the yeshiva world, but in those days, the husband had the burden of supporting his wife. So now, what if he, so the question is, if that's true, that he, er, that he owns her maiseya dime, can he consecrate? Can he be makdashit? Consecrated the base of mikdash? Again, that's always a litmus test. If you can be makdashit, that means that you really own it. So it says the Gemara, Hamakdash Maisa Yedei Ishto, Harezu Chelas. Yeah, she could still support herself with it, which is to say, as Rashi says, Ein Maisa Yedei Akadosh Alpiv, 
and the Gemara is going to explain why. Which is to say, it doesn't work. You can't be makdish to the dime of your wife. It doesn't work. Okay. However, hamaiser. So there is a. This is where we learn there is something called baseline maaseyadaim and extra maaseyadaim. That is something that Rashi explains that there is a certain amount that she's supposed to do, right? Five thimbles worth, worth or whatever that she's supposed to do. That really is like a mandatory maaseyadaim that she kind of has to um, keep, earn her keep with. But if she is a right working woman and she has her own bank account and her own business, so that maaseyadaim, Rabbi Meir Omer Hekdesh, Rabbi Yochanan Sandler Omer Chulin. So in other words, nobody, nobody thinks that the baseline, right, that you could be makdish that. Uh, however, the excess, what she earns, so then Rabbi Meir said that he can be makdish. Rabbi Yochanan Sandler says that no, that even that remains chulin, which is to say that he cannot be makdish it. The Gemara is going to explain all of this. So Amar Ravuna Amar Rav. Yichola isha lomar labala, ain't in your for any osa. Okay, the dinner of Rav Huna. The dinner of Rav Huna is, can a woman actually tell her husband, I do not want to, I, I want a different arrangement. I don't like this arrangement where I, we have to have a joint bank account and all my earnings go to you just for you supporting me. Because guess what? I have, I make a million dollars a year. I have a great job. I don't need your tuna sandwich. Thank you very much. I'll keep my own bank account and you don't have to support me. I'll eat myself. I'll, be, I'll have my avocado toast with my friends, right, at, at a fancy restaurant. Okay, can she do that? So Ravuna says, she certainly can do that. So says the Gemara, wait a minute. Now we're saying the rationale for Ravuna. The, the rationale for Ravuna is, why would we make that takana? We made it to, to, to protect the wife. We want her to be supported. That was the main idea, right? So we, the main idea was, we want to make sure that these girls, these kalos are supported. And the only reason we therefore said that whatever she earns goes into a joint bank account was so that the Baal won't resent her for his obligations to support her. So we made that quid pro quo arrangement, reciprocal arrangement, in order to protect her. But if she doesn't want it because she doesn't need it, so then so then certainly she's entitled to do that because the whole thing was to protect her anyway. But this girl does not need protection. She's an independent woman and therefore... You don't have to, right? You don't have to accept the support of your new husband. You can keep your own money and support yourself. Okay. However, so that's Rav Huna's din. However, it says the Gemara, The Bryce's language, says the Gemara, sounds different. The Gemara says, It sounds like it's the opposite. That they said that he, the Baal has to support her as a Takana because of the fact that he keeps her Maiseyadaim. Is that really true? Says the Gemara, well, it's true that the Bryce sounds like the uh, Takano was built for a different reason, that for the flipped reason, that we force him to feed her because he owns her Maiseyadayim, but it's not true. That all he really meant was that there is reciprocity of he gets her earnings because he has to support her, but really the initial impetus for that Takana was not the fact that he owns her Maiseyadayim, but rather it was the fact that we want him to support her, and it is from that point that we start. That's the starting point, and therefore, it's what Ravuna says, that it's in order to protect her, in order to support her, and therefore, since that's the reason, she can, in fact, reject it. However, now, we're going to see, does our Mishnah support or not support Ravuna's assertion? As follows, says the Gemara, Ravuna can support our statement, because after all, what's Ravuna's statement? Ravuna's statement is that the woman's Maisei Daim is essentially hers, and she can reject being supported by her husband. 
However, so we say, oh, our Mishnah is a data point to support him, because after all, a husband cannot be makdish or maise a dime. That implies that it is essentially hers, right? Because if it was his, he could be makdish it. Ah, my lav benizonis. Now, wait a minute. What's the case that we're talking about here? If she can't, re- right, certainly if she can't refuse the Baal, then the Baal would be able to be makdish it. So what is our case? We're talking about a case where the Mishnah is supported by her husband, perhaps, right? And she could still refuse the Baal? So says the Gemara, la, 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 in the zonas. We could say that our Mishnah is talking about a case where the reason why, that's an interesting question. Our Mishnah says he can't be Makdashit. Is she Nizonis or not? Like, is, is, has there, has the, has, is he supporting her? Because if he is supporting her, then maybe it should belong to him. So now we're saying, well, maybe it's a case where he's not supporting her, and therefore the reason why our mission says he can't be makdashit is because he's not supporting her, therefore he has no entitlement to her my dime. However, the Gemara then says, Yeah, well, if he's not supporting her, then it's obvious that he's not entitled to her my dime. So what's the Chiddush in saying that he can't be makdashit my dime? So says the, so says, because as, and then we just extend the question as follows. Says the Gemara, We've already learned this idea. That even according to the Manda Amr, who says a person can't tell his Evid, right? There is a Manda Amr, right, elsewhere in Gittin, that says that a Rav, we're going to see, it's only in the case of an Evid Kanani. A master can actually tell his Evid Kanani that you could work for me and I'm not going to support you. Wow, that's mean. Well, that's Hani Mila Kanani. That's only applicable at Evakanani. We'll get there and get in Bezat Hashem, and we'll discuss why that can actually be. However, the, that's only by Nevakanani. The Loksiv Be Imach. Imach is an Evid Ivri. Aval Evid Ivri, the Ksiv Be Imach, right? That he has to live with you and you have to treat him as if he's with you. Lo. You can't tell an Evid Ivri, Asei Imi, Veini Zancha. You can't say that. You're not going to support him. Vechol Shekain Ishto. How do you like that? Right? Super progressive now. Now we're really woke. That just like, you're, this is a very, very uh, woke to say that just like your slave, uh, I mean, okay, your Evid Kanani can, can be not supported. But just like your Evid Ivri is, uh, you must support, you also must support your wife. Well, if you must support her, so then if she, right, if he, you're not supporting her, then she, really she's, she can refuse it. Meaning, Maya Mamer, this is just an extension of the question. If you're not supporting her, you obviously have to support her. So if you're not supporting her, so certainly her ma'isei daim are hers. So says the Gemara, Sefer Yitzchakle, you're right. This whole per- first part of the Mishnah, where we're talking about this idea that he can't be mekadesh, uh, that a husband can't be mekadesh his wife's ma'isei daim, well, it's talking about a case of ena nizonas. It's talking about a case where he's not supporting her. And therefore, really, it's not a chiddush that he can't be mekadesh her ma'isei daim. It's true that that's not a chiddush. But it's just a setup. It's not a chish, but it's a setup for the safe of the Mishnah. Because the Seifa said that regarding the Moisar, the Seifa is talking about the excess. Now, the excess, if he's not supporting her, what do you do? Rabbi Meir Omer Hekdesh, Rabbi Yochanan Sandler Omer Chulin. So this is ironic. He's not supporting her, and therefore she doesn't have to give him her base salary. But maybe all the excess money that she has should go to him. Well, if it does, then you should be able to be Makadish. That seems to be the position of Rabbi Meir. Yochanan Sandler says that no, that, that you cannot be Makdashit. And what's, what are they arguing about? Pliga de Reish Lakish. Right? Rav Huna is arguing with Reish Lakish. Don't say that the reason that Rabbi Meir says, right, that you can be Makdash the excess is because he holds that you can be Makdash Dovr Shalobala Olam. What's this? 
Makdash Dabr Shalom Al-Olam is a whole, is a whole sugya, right? We're going to see a lot of this. But what's the, what's the issue of Makdash Dabr Shalom Al-Olam? Well, futures, right? We, in our current right, financial society, treat futures and stock options as having value, right? So is that value something that you can be Makdash? Can you count it as something of value that you can give to the base of Mikdash, right? Can you donate stocks and bonds to the base of Mikdash? Can you do that? So one shita is that you can do that because that has some value, even though it, we don't see it. Lover Shalobal means we don't, it's not actual cash in hand. Okay, El time the Rebbe but that's not the reason why Rebbe says you can be Makdash or Maisei Daim. El time the Rebbe Meir, we talk Shiochel Chofel the reason Meir says that you can be Makdash or Maisei Daim is because he could force her to produce earnings. And watch this. Because he could force her to do so, I own you, girl. I, because I can earn your, own your Maisei Daim and force you to give it to me, it's as if I own your Yadaim. Well, guess what? Your future earnings may not be Be'en, but your hands certainly are. I see your hands right now as I look at them. So unlike Ravuna, Right, Rish Lakish is going to hold that uh, that a husband owns the wife's ma'aseh daim. That is very much not like what Huna says, because he says that she can refuse. She can refuse this kind of business and say and be independent of the husband. Ah, oh. So why did he? Why? But he didn't say that to her. Says the Gemara. In other words, he never said in the Mishnah's case that he's makadosh or yadaim. That's not what the Mishnah sounds like. In the Mishnah, it sounds like it's talking about her earnings, not her yadaim. It says the Gemara, Kavan the Shaminan la Rabbi Meir, right? Since we learned about Rabbi Meir, the Amar Eina the Motzi Dvar Levatala, in a different context, as Rashi explains, in Maseches Erechin Davei, when we say that when a person makes uh, a statement, even though the statement on its on its face value doesn't seem to have halachic implications, a person doesn't make a statement without wanting to make some halachic implication, and therefore, even though he didn't say the exact right words, he spoke of her Maisedain, he really meant her hands themselves. So since Rameir himself said in Erechen, Enon Namotz Edvar Levatala, Naisek Omerla Ikachri Yadayich Lo Seim. Even though he really said, he's talked about her Maisei Daim, those are the words that came out of his mouth, but the meaning was that he is Makadosh Yadayim within the Shita of Rabbi Meir. So now the Gemara asks, Kesav Rameir, Enon the Makdash Dover Shalobal Olam, is it really true that Rameir holds that a, that a person cannot be Makdash Dover Shalobal Olam v'hatanya, but we have a Brisa to suggest otherwise? Because we have a Brisa, Omer Lisha, Haryas Mekudesh, Lilach Hashet Gayer, Right, all of these cases in Kiddushin, where a man says to a woman, "I want you to marry me for some future thing. Either marry me after I convert, or after you convert, or after one of us gets released." Yeah, that's a cool case, right? You're Makadish the Isha. Ah, she's an Isha's Isha. Yeah, but I want to reserve you for when he dies. Okay. Or Tamos Achosech, when your sister dies, right? Cases where you can't marry her because she's tied down. But as soon as you're released, I want to marry you. Remei Omer Mikudeshes. He says that she is Mikudeshes. Clearly, he holds that Adam is Mekadesh. Something Shalobal Olam. So says the Gemara. Yeah, may I in that price that you could indeed see. Remei holds a person can be Mekadesh. Something Shalobal Olam. And therefore, even though it's true that he holds that, our Mishnah didn't mean that he doesn't hold that. He just means that he cannot learn that from our Mishnah. Our Mishnah does not support that because in our Mishnah, he holds that he's not Mekadish, but for a different reason. And so we leave you 11 lines up, two dots, 11 lines up from the bottom of Nunches Amid Beis. And the Nunches may be a good beginning for you. You should have a real Manucha, Be'ezat Hashem, this coming Shabbos. 
I don't know if we're here Monday because it's Labor Day. So Dublin, Ireland is a holiday in, in, in New York, look out, in America rather, look out for that.